0: you plug them into your computer prior to even yeah. launching
1: the program oh yeah so it won't even recognize that there's a device it's like nope, no nope, nothing's plugged in
0: no it's like would you like to use your default <laughs> mic or nothing else
1: <laughs> well what about the one i just plugged in Mm-mm, gotta do it gotta have it already <laughs>
0: ah. you gotta be ready before you want to record what are you fucking amateur record with
1: me the free
0: recording <laughs> service. The, the, the Not only that, the free recording service that sells your information.
1: I saw that this week because I'm on, like, <laughs> some uh, voiceover work subreddits. even though uh. I've never attempted to do anything like that. I'm like, oh, I'm going to sub to these, and then I'm going to be a voiceover artist. Like, nope, ignore. Ignore all that. But the people oh were like, God. delete audacity. It is malware now or something like that.
0: Yeah. I. Uh... I'm I'm only thinking like what the fuck else am I gonna use like yeah I don't have the money to pay fifty bucks a month for a Creative Cloud right I don't know man
1: yeah and it's it's like all those people probably use Facebook and Twitter and TikTok and everything else that's spyware and malware so yeah, exactly. one exactly what's one more we're so comfortable with giving our I know I am I'm like who cares what use it all I'm gonna get is targeted ads for stuff i want to buy you know? most
0: likely yeah. yeah which is great
1: <laughs> that's content to me i don't care i bought it, a ton of stuff on it on instagram ads
0: yeah hell yeah if my phone hears me talking too loud about nascar i'm gonna get a targeted ad that says raise hell praise dale i'm like yes
1: absolutely yes just send me all the targeted t-shirts like legends are born in July and use audacity. <laughs> <laughs> I would actually wear that shirt. I think that'd be hilarious. it. That's so niche. I mean, you want to talk about niche. Who would get that?
0: <laughs> Le- L- true legends are born in July. Get fired one week before their 40th birthday and use
1: audacity to record their podcast. <laughs> Hell, yeah. I'd wear that to morning show boot camp. <laughs> That's really the, <laughs> only, the only place people would get it. <laughs> uh,
0: I, wonder, I wonder if people would go to that uh, just, like, having not had a radio job in, like, a year or two, just having done their podcast
1: yeah that's a good question. I mean, there's got to be some morning radio style podcasts from former morning radio people. I don't know, yeah, I mean, I heard people like like literally it's just a big networking circle jerk, you know, I mean, that's that's yeah. what that's oh the only reason God, I've yeah. ever wanted to go, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I'd probably I mean, that's where it's going to be eventually is what I'm guessing uh, I am. I'm doing a bit of, I I realized listening to last, all right, let's get started. Why don't we get started? Because I was about to get into episode shit, so why don't we get started? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 8, Episode 20, The Millennium. Uh, But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode, the yada yada. And one of those things, I realized that we're not going to be able, the the first bit of homework, we're not going to be able to really complete because the episode comes out the yada yada comes out as we're recording this and so one of the things we wanted to know is do you think Marcy banged her ex when she did she yada yada sex or was it just something else because it's never really explained we both kind of analyzed it to the point where I'm like I, I'm I'm like 99% sure she did but the fact that George is so cool with it is the weird part yeah so that's what, so I'm putting the poll up now we're not gonna be able to do that homework until next week though so, what's a good Kramer response? Oh, yeah. I'm going to say yes is going to be giddy up. Giddy up. <laughs> <laughs> and um, no is going to be, what does he say instead of no? Um,
0: man, I don't know.
1: Let me see. I Kramer's wonder... a
0: very agreeing
1: person. Yeah, yeah. What, what about just like no way, baby? Like a, like a George. Like yeah, a George I like it. Thing. Okay, no way, baby. <laughs> um, uh, and there we go. Pole length. Nine years. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> I, have, I do want Christ. it to run for a while, so I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do the full. I'm gonna do six days. There we go. Six yeah, yeah, day that, poll. That way we
0: can talk about the results on the episode we record next week. Uh, yes. I'm getting so messed up with our timelines here.
1: <laughs> it's always confused me. Well,
0: we need to figure out what our sacred timeline is.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the one where we're both still employed. Oh God, no. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so what, what's, here's some other homework. So that's up now. That's live if you're listening to this. Actually, you know what? If you're listening to this, it's already over. <laughs> right? Oh, son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah, it is. So if you're listening to this, it's already over. Man, this is confusing. Uh, and we'll tell you the results next week. It reminds me of... This totally is, is the exact same as that Mr. Show sketch I have probably brought up before when we have talked about our timeline where it's a guy recording a, a call-in show but it's a he records it a week uh, in advance. Yes, so yeah. Everybody's <laughs> calling about last week's topic, and nobody's calling about this week's topic. <laughs> I love that one. That one. <laughs> uh, that one messes with my mind so much. I know it's super easy to figure out, but I'm also like, not smart. No,
0: this week we're <laughs> yeah. talking about gun
1: control. Yeah, yeah, or, or whatever. Oh yeah, my I was God. like. But I'm watching you right now, and you're talking about this. No, I know. I recorded in advance. <laughs> Yeah, please don't call about that. Call about- <laughs> yeah, I, I love. He's so exasperated. And he has to stay on. <laughs> oh man, that first season has some real gems. I mean, like they just came out of the gate. It was like, uh, I think you should leave level of first season. You know, it was like, how does someone do this good of stuff in in, in the first season? Doesn't make sense. You're supposed to grow and evolve. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so another episode oh here's a- so before we actually get into homework though here's a, like an episode follow up question in addition to uh, did Marcy bang her ex? I thought of this week, what do you think jerry 's conversation with Beth was like outside of the church? like how do you think I was like that how would that go? like did he just say you're a racist, leave or was there like some sort of argument or because it seemed pretty quick like before the ceremony even gets started. <laughs> like he um he he walks out he just quickly him.
0: dismisses the the whole relationship.
1: Yeah, yeah. Do you think he like grabbed her by the arm or something or like I, I just want to know what was said so quickly and I, I don't know just <laughs> I would love to see that deleted scene. <laughs> whether there was a fight, whether she tried to like convince him that like or did she pull like, you know, oh I I have black and Jewish friends. I was just kidding. It was It's a joke, you know? Like, that's the oh, common she totally, line these days.
0: Yeah, she totally seems like the person. And g- going back to the Uber drive
1: I gave to this yeah. one
0: dude, he's like, I'm not racist, but.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. she. That's that's probably the line that she pulled. It was like, oh my, it was a joke, bro. Oh my gosh. It's like, you don't even get humor. That's what people do these days when they get called on a the super racist oh, tweet or something. God. Oh my gosh, you don't get jokes. You don't get my biting <laughs> satire. It was a joke, bro. (laughs) It was a total goof. Oh my gosh. It's a fucking prank, bro. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. One little bit of homework, actual homework that we had was, what is the profession with the highest suicide rate? Because Tim Watley says it's dentists. And I found a CDC report that a lot of people pull their numbers from that was released in 2018, but it was Mm -hmm. from... It was numbers from 2015, and the data was only taken from 22 states. So take it uh, for what you will. Yeah. Yeah. And also, they provide suicide data at the highest level of major occupational groups. So that splits the entire U.S. workforce into just 22 occupations. Uh, I know. So, for example, nursing, doctors, and dentists are all in one occupation. And that. I, hate occupa- that. I already yeah. hate this. Uh, and I found some better numbers, but... but just going by this healthcare practitioners and technical are number 15 and i think that's the one that nursing doctors and dentists are Whoa. in yeah
0: yeah oh my god that that seems very low okay
1: number and yeah so there maybe is somebody who's driving that number down that uh you know wouldn't isn't in that uh, at risk group number 1 mm-hmm. is construction and extraction followed by installation maintenance and repair um, huh. Yeah, so very blue collarish gigs. Number three is arts, design, entertainment, sports, and media. Wow. I know. Okay. Number uh, two, baby. <laughs> number three, number three. Oh, number three, yeah. baby. <laughs> number four is transportation and material moving, so like truck drivers, I guess. Uh, yeah. Number five is production. What does that mean? What does that even mean? Yeah. You, if you produce something... <laughs> then you are number five on the list.
0: Like, are, uh, are we talking about, like, producing a Justin Bieber song?
1: Yeah. Are we talking about
0: producing a five-star meal in a in a restaurant? You can produce anything you want.
1: Yeah, or, like, factory workers. Maybe yeah. they're all lumped yeah. into that exact same... Maybe they're all lumped into <laughs> n- number five there. Everyone who produces is <laughs> yeah. lumped into number five, yeah. It's almost like that's literally every job, you know? <laughs> um, it remi- that reminds me of the the... Speech from Better Off. Was it, oh, that's uh, how funny is that? The, I think the movie is Better Off Dead, and he's like, "I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to sell or buy anything that's." He's talking about uh, someone asks him what he wants to do after he graduates. He's like, "I don't want to sell or buy anything that's produced. I don't want to produce anything that's bought or sold. I don't want to buy anything that's sold or produced." It, it, it's funny. He goes on this like weird little rant uh, about that. But so this is according to uh, the website Mental Health Daily, and they found these numbers. I believe from the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health. And number one in that case is medical doctors. Number two is dentists. Wow. All right. So he was close, but still just another instance where doctors beat dentists.
0: Do either of those lists have uh, a
1: a veterinarian? Oh, you know what? I I wonder if veterinarian would be under farming, fishing, and forestry. Mm, no probably not no
0: probably not is that the first list or the second
1: that was the first list yeah so i
0: i, I think for the first list it would be lumped into that like health care practitioners and technical i feel like it would be lumped into there because yeah th- these places are technically hospitals right so
1: yeah um yeah i'm not sure but they they did um the the national institute for occupational safety and health numbers do include veterinarians they are number four after police officers so the top five is medical doctors mm. dentists Cops, vets, financial services is number five, followed by real estate agents, electricians, lawyers, farmers, and pharmacists. I find it interesting that farmers have that. I uh, mean,
0: think about it. Like, that whole top ten, like, one bad thing goes wrong, it fucks you up for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Like, you you have a bad season, you can't make the mortgage payments, bada boom, you're dead.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I'm simplifying that way too much. They mentioned that in this article. They said that in the U.S., jobs requiring significant levels of aptitude, sacrifice, and education seem to be those with above average risk of suicide. So if you need to go to school for a long time, if you need to work long, weird hours like real estate agents or lawyers or farmers or doctors or cops, then those seem to be the uh, above average at-risk groups. But weirdly, in Britain, the opposite is true. Occupations requiring lower skills tend to carry increased rates of suicide. Hmm.
0: It's almost like Britain
1: knows what
0: they're doing in regards to how to keep high paid professionals and people in positions of power
1: happy yeah that's that european and, and mindset. well paid yeah that's that european mental health mindset of like um <laughs> you know oh, i'm i'm going on vacation i'm i'm not going to be answering any emails and i'm not going to be worried yeah. about it you know it's like yeah. and i'm i'm going on vacation for like two weeks and who cares it's like that's what you know that's what it's for and over here it's like <laughs> i work every day i never take a day off and i bl- and like we're supposed to i'm so glad i feel like the pendulum is swinging like that was such a boomer yeah. Early the, Gen the fuck, X mindset, yeah.
0: The fucking like hustle mentality, yes. like you, you. There's 365 days a year. How many are you working? <laughs> 366. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, shut <sighs> up. I don't want to work seven days a week, four weeks a month, 12 months a year.
1: Yeah. So take your days off. I guess that's the lesson here. <laughs> and and what, I do. I... What a what a good rejoin point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I do love that. Um, yeah I do love that the pendulum is swinging the other way and and young millennials and gen z are going like no that's that's a perk paid vacation is something we all agree upon and I don't care if you think it sucks I'm uh, you know I'm taking the days off that you give me Yeah uh so let me see oh Mickey's parents Mickey Abbott's parents uh, they come to the church I totally recognized the dude and when I found out who it was I was kind of embarrassed that I wasn't able to place him and at least one very famous trilogy that has come up on the show, on our show, um, a little bit. But let me talk about Mrs. Abbott first. Mrs. Abbott was played okay. by Jill St. John. She is still alive. She's 80. And she's best known for playing Tiffany Case, the first American Bond girl of the 007 franchise in Diamonds Are Forever. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, she was also in a movie called The Lost World, not Jurassic Park 2. Uh, it's just The it's just Lost <laughs> World. Yeah. Uh, Tender is the Night, Come Blow Your Horn. Uh, and she got a Golden Globe nomination for that movie. I've never heard of it, but uh, she was also in The Concrete Jungle. She was on TV a ton in stuff like Batman, uh, Rowan and Martin's Laughing, Heart to Heart, The Love Boat, Fantasy Island, Magnum P.I. And Dr. Abbott, DDS, was played by Robert Wagner, who is also still alive, and he's 90, and he is an American actor of stage, screen, and television which is still a screen. I don't know why Wikipedia put it that way. (laughs) He's known for starring in the television shows It Takes a Thief, Switch, and Heart to Heart. Uh, He later had a recurring role as Teddy Leopold in the TV sitcom Two and a Half Men, which I I never watched, so I didn't know that. And he made 12 (laughs) guest appearances as Anthony DiNazzo Sr. on NCIS. In films, Wagner is known for his role as number two in the Austin Powers trilogy. Oh my
0: God. Yeah,
1: yeah. Maybe it was the eye patch, you know. Maybe he needs the eye patch for us to recognize wow. him. Wow! Like, oh man, of course. <laughs> Fucking legend! Oh my god, he was yeah. number two. That's great. Yeah. I know. Yeah, and uh, that's probably where I recognize him from. But he's was in. I mean, the the original Pink Panther, <laughs> the Towering Inferno uh airport seventy nine and I mean he's just one of those actors that's been in a ton of stuff and
0: oh so, so all of these like great old movies, yeah, and then you recognized him <laughs> as number two, yeah. from
1: the austin powers trilogy that's definitely the like the most yeah recognizable role that probably I was thinking uh one million dollars is uh, not actually a lot of money right now that was such a funny <laughs> gag i mean that that movie is just like. Just it's got so much funny stuff that has been so played out that you just forget how yeah. funny it was the first time you saw it. You know, uh, one million dollars. Uh, so weren't weren't
0: they supposedly working on an Austin Powers four like I don't know, fifteen years ago?
1: Probably. I mean, that thing was still making money. I'm pretty sure.
0: I wonder if you could still do that, hmm. or I or, or I wonder if they've like had a draft of Austin Powers four and it's just been like sitting in a drawer and it 's filled unknowingly to them, filled with cancelled comedians and jokes <laughs> you can 't say anymore, like like Mike Myers takes the draft of Austin Powers Four out of his desk drawer, opens it to page one. Austin Powers and
1: Louis C k are having a private meeting in louis 's office. <laughs> Actually, I mean, I would hate Louis Actually, C. that'd be pretty funny. I, that's what that'd I was thinking. Funny. I was like, I'd hate Louis C.K. to... I wouldn't hate for him to get work. Who cares? But it would be weird seeing the actual actor on screen. But that's a funny scene. Because <laughs> that's, like, that's the mindset. Like, Austin Powers, we'd be totally fine with, like, whipping it out and jerking it in front of a woman. Because he was. he's from the 60s, where, like, no one would say anything about that, you know? <laughs> but, but, uh, Austin Powers
0: was definitely, like, pro-consent. Yes, uh,
1: yeah, that is true. That's true. That
0: that is something a lot of people forget.
1: Yeah, that that's true.
0: Probably <laughs> probably some trans jokes that don't hold up well.
1: Yeah, is there a yeah, there very well might be. I don't know. I I I'd like to revisit that. <laughs> oh God. Hey, Patreon. Hey, there we go. Austin awesome Powers rewatch. We're gonna cancel everything. <laughs> Our Patreon's <laughs> called cancel everything. Oh fuck. <laughs> Uh, But Robert Wagner is perhaps most famous for, uh, on Valentine's Day of 1982, um, well, okay, this isn't what he's most famous for, but this is interesting. On Valentine's Day 1982, Wagner began dating actress Jill St. John, whom he had known since the late 1950s when she was 18, and they were contract players at Fox. After eight years together, they married in 1990. So Robert Wagner and Jill St. John, Mickey's parents, are actually married in real life.
0: Oh my God.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: I, I didn't put that together as you were saying it. Well, I thought that's actually kind of cool.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, and here's, here's another thing Mickey takes after them it's each of their fourth marriages. They've each Whoa. been married uh, three times before that, and it's the longest marriage of either of their six previous marriages combined. Are they still <laughs> married to this day? Yeah, they are. Wow. I that's know. Uh, And they co-starred in six films between 67 and 2014, and they share credits on nearly a dozen stage and screen productions in all. So I thought that was really cool that not only did they get Robert Wagner for some unknown reason, uh, because I was like, well, maybe it's explained why Robert Wagner. No, there's no no rhyme or reason. (laughs) They just wanted Robert Wagner, and they got him. But I think it's cool they also got Robert Wagner's real-life wife to play Mickey's make-believe mom. But perhaps most infamously, here's the other thing I know Robert Wagner from. In 1956, when he was 26, he started dating 18-year-old Natalie Wood, very famous actress uh, at the time, Rebel Without a Cause, stuff like that. They were married from 57 to 62, and Natalie's sister Lana has claimed publicly that the reason behind the couple's first divorce was that Natalie caught Robert Wagner with another man. Ooh. Yeah. Now, they, they remarried in 1972. Then on November 29th, 1981, I was... Uh, three months, four months old. I don't know. I wanted to do the. <laughs> I was almost, let me see, July, and August, September, October, November. I was almost five months old. I was just about to celebrate my fifth uh, <laughs> month birthday. Um, <laughs> Natalie Wood drowned near the yacht Splendor while it was moored oh, near man. Catalina Island. Also on board were Robert Wagner, Christopher Walken, who was co-starring with her in a movie at the time, and the Splendor's captain. The case has been... Very mysterious ever since. It's actually been reopened and amended a few times, whether she, you know, went for a swim after dark, lost her way and drowned or whatever. In 2018, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department named Wagner a person of interest in the investigation into Wood's death. Wagner has denied any involvement. Uh, He did say they got into an argument that night, but that's as much, um, you know, that's as much as he's Hmm. ever really said. But, yeah, that's perhaps what he's most infamous for is being on the boat when, when Natalie Wood drowned. Uh what okay, that's all the homework that we had. Uh here's some other trivia and tidbits from the episode. Karen's dad is played by Jerry Marin. So another famous parent. He's an American actor who played a member of the Lollipop Guild in The Wizard of Oz. Oh, I, I thought you were gonna say he's Mark Marin's dad. <laughs> that would be amazing. No, it's Ian, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. That would be a sight like every time he mentions his dad to picture uh this guy, <laughs> Jerry Marin. <laughs> <laughs> but he became the last surviving adult munchkin following the death of Ruth Duccini in 2014. And he was also the last surviving cast member with a specifically identifiable speaking or singing role. Oh, so he whoa, was the okay. last person in the Wizard of Oz to be living. Man. That, like there wasn't a background extra or somebody like somebody who definitely was on screen talking or singing. Uh, he died in 2018 at 98. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Long life. Very. That's really cool. Yeah. Let me see. Oh, Peter Melman and Jill Franklin were nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding Writing in a Comedy Series in 97 for this episode, which is good, because uh, I, I, I remember remarking on, on how much I loved the writing and how it was so snappy in, in a way that maybe Seinfeld isn't even uh, well-known for, because um, it wasn't just repeating the same word over and over again. I felt like there was more to it. Uh, the episode's co-writer, Peter Melman, got inspiration for the episode's Jerry story when an old friend of his made a Jewish joke. He was momentarily offended, but then he remembered that his friend converted 20 years before, and then he started to wonder if it had taken that long for his friend to feel comfortable making Jewish jokes. This led him to contemplate <laughs> the notion of someone making Jewish jokes almost immediately after converting. Okay. Yeah, that is pretty funny. Like, when is when is too soon? When is it acceptable to make these jokes? Though in previous episodes, Dr. Tim Wadley had a thick head of hair. Actor Brian Cranston had shaved his head to play an astronaut in the movie That Thing You Do, and his hair hadn't grown back. And that threw me for a loop because as much as I love that movie, I was like, when do they go to space? (laughs) I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) So if you've forgotten like I have, uh, Brian, (laughs) I thought that was like that thing you do 10. Like, they're not going to go to space. until. (laughs) Um, Cranston only has a uh, brief appearance. It's almost a blink and you'll miss it moment as he portrays real life astronaut Gus Grissom in a scene where the band is on a variety show called the Hollywood Television Showcase. And now I do remember that. He's talking about, you know, flying. Wow. I do, and he has a shaved head and everything. So now I do remember that. But it's definitely like not even a cameo. It was just like a working gig for Brian Cranston at the time, I think. What was and that? He like 94? Like yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Who knew? But at least they were still like, uh, yeah, because I do remember, you know, Tim Wadley having that, that, uh, l- the lustrous locks. Um but so it's good that they were like, ah, oh, it's okay. Um, he had been acting since the 80s, so it, it wasn't his first role, but it was still before his name became very recognizable in, in that thing you do, which couldn't have been 94. It must have been 97 because I don't know why I thought it was 94 um, because this episode was 97. Now I got to look it up. Now I want to say 96. Oh, I know. It was 96. Okay. There we go. All right. Jeez, That was going to. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Um, the scene where George consults his friends about the possibility of Marcy having sex with her ex-boyfriend took a number of takes because Jerry kept breaking when Julie Louis-Dreyfus delivered the line, no, I mentioned the bisque. <laughs> and you can even see him doing the trademark Seinfeld, almost breaking smirk, but I think that always fits into situations it, it, like this because you would really smirk does, if your yeah. friend said something like that, you know? <laughs> Not complete breaking into laughter, but, you know, definitely the little, the little Seinfeld smirk he does. In an illustration of how much higher Seinfeld's budget was in later seasons, the set with the urinals was constructed just for this episode's cold open. Holy fuck. Yeah, I know. The, the, why? I don't know. Especially because they've shot on a set with urinals before when yeah. Rob Schneider was on. That's the one instance <laughs> I remember. So I'm like, what was wrong with those urinals? <laughs> Uh, the episode was allowed by NBC to run longer than the usual 23 minutes. I, I, I read that it's well over 26 minutes, at a, a, and it's slightly above average length, was boasted about in promos. So just kind of like they did, I remember them doing this with The Office, like, supersized episodes. You know, it's like we put all the deleted scenes back in, and it's like, you know, 40 minutes or something like that, or, or, or 31 minutes, something like that. Uh, but this yeah. one was well over 26, and so... In syndication, an edited version of this episode airs, cutting out (laughs) several small scenes and dialogues, including that cold open with Jerry and George, additional footage with Kramer and Mickey trying to impress their dates during dinner. So I have a feeling it's that, um, you know, oh, my my wife, my aunt has taken ill. I mean, that scene where they're like going back and forth. Oh, I like your shirt, too. Uh, And other uh, weird minor extensions. But we did watch, don't worry, we did watch the full length version. Oh, Um, good, good. Yeah, it's on the season eight DVD and on Hulu and on. On Google, I'm guessing. So it was on Hulu, and now I'm hoping it'll be on Netflix. Uh, This is the first time the internet is mentioned in the series. Really? Yeah. I guess they were like, oh, it's 97. I guess we better start talking about the internet. Doesn't seem like it's going away. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta talk about this
0: (laughs) newfangled internet thing.
1: But let's make jokes about how it's kind of like... Don't don't worry. This whole thing will go away in a couple of months. (laughs) Yeah, it's still a punchline, but we better mention it. Uh, it's gonna super date the episode, like because no one's gonna remember what it is. Um, de- <laughs> uh, here, here's another interesting tidbit: Deborah Messing is Jewish, so you know her her little comment that. at the end is kind of funny. Uh, uh, and uh, in real life, and the episode is one of the most famous in the series, specifically for its focus on the phrase "yada yada," which already was a common phrase before the episode aired. It may have originated in the 1950s, with you know "Yakety Yak" uh, was a big song back then. Um, Ah. or 1940s vaudeville, or even earlier. Uh, Seinfeld director Andy Ackerman remarked that while filming the episode, he was struck by the fact that yada yada hadn't been the subject of a sitcom before, since it was such a universal everyday expression. Before the episode aired, Peter Melman suspected that it would spawn a new Seinfeld catchphrase, but he thought people would latch on to anti-dentite, and that would become popular. Mm, Which some,
0: some people have, that's for sure. Uh, I mean, I've seen that like thrown around in, uh, in like Reddit forums or something. anti dentite
1: Yeah, but I d- never knew what it was. <laughs> in the in the context of Seinfeld, or people like bashing dentists. Uh, kind of
0: both uh. because there is a uh, there is a uh, women's wrestler uh, for AEW All Elite Wrestling who her day job, legitimately, she is a dentist. But she is also oh. like their their champion right now. Wow! Um, and she plays it into her her gimmick um, yeah. when when wrestling, and uh, people will uh, <laughs> bring up like the
1: anti dentite reference <laughs> as a way to like tie Seinfeld into it. You're an anti dentite, a rabid yeah. anti dentite. <laughs> the Paley Center named yada 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 the number one funniest phrase on their TV's 50 funniest phrases list. What? I know. Get the fuck out of here. I know. I can't, number one? I, yeah, that, that doesn't make sense to me. I wish I knew what the other ones were. I should have I should have looked them up. 50 funniest phrases. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, it is TV's funniest. Okay, let me see. Yada yada yada's number one. Let's see. Number 50 is Hello Newman. Number two is Annoyed Grunt from The Simpsons. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that, that should totally be number one. I agree. I would say there's a lot here just in the top ten that I would replace yada, yada, yada with. Yada, yada, yada isn't even my favorite Seinfeld phrase. Yeah. Number three is How You Doing from Friends. Number four is A from Happy Days. Number five is Wild and Crazy Guys from Saturday Night Live, which is not as funny as Boomers thought it was. Um <laughs> Number uh, number six is Burn from that 70s show, which I'm not familiar enough to know. I guess it's what people said after an insult of some sort. Yeah. Number seven, oh, my God, they killed Kenny. Number eight, Lucy, you've got some splainin' to do. Number nine, excuse me, uh, again, Ugh. from the boomer uh, era of SNL. <laughs> number <laughs> 10 is Homie Don't Play Dat from In Living Color. Oh, my gosh. Jesus when did this Christ. list come out? <laughs> 2009 and people were still I mean homie don't play that wasn't even the funniest in living color sketch legendary from how I met your mother that's what she said from the office Uh, again so that's that's what she said is kind of like the yada yada where it was around but it was definitely popularized by that you know by a character from another from a popular TV show yeah you know like they, they didn't invent that's what she said so all right that's all that I'm gonna go over from this list but it's a really weird one Did I do that from Family Matters Classic. So, all right. That's all of the uh, uh, information and trivia and homework from last week's episode. All right. Uh, Do we have any news or anything? No. All right. Um, I got a few things. Uh, I'll keep them real short. Uh,
0: The the Seinfeld Lego set that was dropped. uh, That was – the news of that came out the night uh, (laughs) following us recording a new episode. So us talking about it on this episode – is two week old news (laughs) literally yeah um as of tonight if you're listening to this episode the day it comes out it's two weeks old it happened two (laughs) weeks ago i'll drop this link in the description of this week and last week's episode if you want to go check it out but uh, nominations for the best of pittsburgh 2021 awards are open um i'm not sure what uh, award we are uh available it's just best podcast Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah go, nom- go nominate us for Best Podcast. One of us lives in Pittsburgh. Yeah,
1: and, and while you're there, I mean, you might as well. I think it'd be just super funny if I got some votes uh, since I'm not working for the radio station anymore. <laughs> <laughs> if you see the name Murphy, just vote for that. Uh, yeah,
0: if you, see, if you see the name Murphy in uh, Best Radio DJ yeah. or, or Best Radio Jock, uh, vote Murphy. Yeah. Um, don't vote for any station particularly because we don't want you to accidentally pick the one that fired him. Correct. Oh, did you see the thing I tweeted? One of my friends sent me this, uh, the photo that someone put of George through a face app where he was bald with a beard.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people have been, so that's like kind of been, I guess, mostly about Norm from Cheers. They're like, people can't believe that Norm from Cheers is 34, but they put like long hair and a beard on him. And it was like, you know, ladies, this is what your craft beard is loving boyfriend looks like (laughs) under that they look like norm from cheers and i was like wow that's really weird
0: (laughs) but yeah like i I was looking at some of the replies of like the photo of george and they're like yeah i would oh yeah yeah
1: (laughs) 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 yeah it's uh um, man it's funny how you know i mean they don't look like they're in their their mid to late 30s or whatever they're supposed to be but like when you put them in modern clothes it's like oh or or modern hairstyles or whatever it's like yeah wow i guess it's just fashion you know time is just fashion
0: <laughs> uh all right if you've never listened to this show before we are not a research heavy show despite the last <laughs> oh fuck 38 minutes being <laughs> exclusively homework and bullshit uh, We like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following, like I said, as though we are giving ourselves homework. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. We are at nohugging on Twitter or nohuggingnolearningshow at gmail.com. Both of those links are in the, in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice just if it's something other than apple podcasts email us uh give us a heads up that you did so and we will send you an awesome holographic no hugging no learning sticker free of charge just like Mm. ski girl three 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 did (laughs) ski girl uh all the threes uh (laughs) ski girl said best seinfeld podcast let's see what does she write It's a long one. These guys are absolutely great together. I could listen to them talk about nothing, so why not a show about nothing? I have been a lifelong fan for years of Seinfeld, like Tim, and their shows Mm -hmm. help scratch that Seinfeld itch. I appreciate the homework portion of the show because it is information I would want to know too. I also appreciate their millennial view on the show. Oh, and I love that Ted tells us how old he was when the episode came out because I'm about six months younger than him. Ah. It helps me place when the show takes place. Please give these guys a listen. You honestly won't regret it. Cool. Thank you to Ski Girl 33333 Yeah, great it's one. Prob- probably got to be a better way to say all those threes, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you send us your mailing address, we will hook you up with a uh, NHNL sticker free of charge. With all that being said, Season 8, Episode 20, The Millennium, Original air date, May 1st, 1997. I was four years, four months, and 11 days old. And Tim, if you're counting this episode and every other episode we've got left, we have 25 episodes. Wow. Until we become a...
1: Robert Wagner. I don't know. That would be a long-ass podcast, though, because he had like three series go a million years. (laughs) Wagner cast. What What if we just... Uh, cause I, I thought that, I think this would be fun. And that Seinfeld Lego set is 80 bucks and neither of us have a job right now. Oof. So that's going to be, can we write that off as like a business, business expense? <laughs> <laughs> um, we, I need it for my podcast. It makes no money, but like I thought a live stream of us building that. I was like, how long would that be? What would that take? But what if even better? We, uh, there's an audio, <laughs> there's an audio podcast of us building Lego sets. All <laughs> well, you like clinking plastic and us like just bullshitting like, oh, for like fucker, nine. That hours. goes there. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait. Did you did you lose C sixteen? <laughs> we need to find C sixteen. <laughs> That's what uh, we, one of our favorite shows is Lego Masters. I love that show because I'm. just I've so, never watched it. Is it good? Oh yeah. It's. it's just, I'm just so amazed by what these people can build with no. Like I need the instructions for Lego. I can't just like let my mind wander yeah. and build in the sandbox of like I'm- no. I'm the same way. Like, I want to be
0: like that so bad. I yeah. want to, like, get the bucket of just classic Legos that are not in a set and just go wild. But I know once I do that, I'm going to build, like,
1: a house <laughs> yeah, or something. Or yeah. a square Or, or, or a, a sword or <laughs> something, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not and, gonna build anything fun. And these people build like intricate cities and skyscrapers and all sorts of crazy. stuff. So it's really awesome. If you if you like Lego even a little bit, you're gonna be amazed. But um, but also, it's funny, because it's the only reality show where, you know, we watch a lot of cooking shows and stuff. And they're like, you know, Gordon Ramsay's like, you have one hour to cook. But this is like, all right, all right, Lego Masters, you have 18 hours to complete your build. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, that's literally, I'm not exaggerating. Like, they give them, like, 12 hours or more to do, because that's how long it takes to build, like, a professional-level Lego set. And I'm like, do they get breaks? Do they sleep? What is going on?
0: (laughs) Uh, but before we really get into stuff, I, I guess this is the only part that I can mention this. Um, another new show that you should check out. I, I feel like you and Sarah would both really like it. I started watching it. Um, I can't talk to Grace about it because she doesn't want to watch it. Um, it's called uh, Kevin can F himself on I've AMC. i seen the promos.
1: I, yeah. I don't know anything Dude, about
0: it. Oh my God. It's, um, okay. Before you watch the trailer, I, this is exactly how I explained it to, uh, the down voter. Mm-hmm. Um, think Breaking Bad meets King of Queens.
1: Whoa, that's weird.
0: <laughs> it's a show that centers around the wife's point of view, and anytime you're in like her viewpoint, <laughs> it's this like gritty, dark series. But anytime like she's around her husband, and you see like what her husband is doing, it's this like bright. And happy laugh track sitcom. Weird. Yeah. Wow. It, it It's weird. I've never seen anything huh. done like it before. I'll have to check it out. Uh, the first, uh, you can check out the trailer, and the first two episodes were actually posted on YouTube
1: Oh, okay. together in,
0: in one video. It's a 45-minute it's like show. It's, it's good. I would highly recommend it. Awesome. I will look into that.
1: Um, okay, is that where I come in? I is think so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Go for it, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, we start with a cold open, and unlike uh, other cold opens, this one gets us right into the plot, or one of the plot points of the episode, and Elaine is in, I called it like a world clothing store. We're going to find out it's a very specific uh, world clothing store, and she's being ignored by the clerk. Uh, The store is called Putumayo, P-U-T-U-M-A-Y-O, and she gets the clerk to hang up, and the clerk's like, can I do something for you? She's like... Oh No, what can I help you with? She's like, nothing. You just lost a customer. And she throws the uh, sandals that she wanted to buy on the counter and then goes to storm out. But instead of a push door, it is a pull door. And so she slams right into it. <sighs> there were no <laughs> jokes in this entire opening. There wasn't one joke. You're right. That's as close as they got is the door thing.
0: I was waiting for it. I'm like... Oh, and, and she just stormed out without, like, the clerk saying anything, without Elaine saying anything. I'm like, oh, is this going to be a weirdly <laughs> serious episode?
1: Uh, I think she really should have pulled a, I think you should leave, I was here yesterday, it goes both ways, exit, and then just push the door <laughs> as hard as she could. <laughs> we just Speaking of TV shows that are not Seinfeld, by the way, we finished, have you watched season two yet?
0: Oh, I finished it... Uh, by ten thirty a.m. on July 6th
1: yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty weird my, my buddy put it a good way the one that introduced me to it the first time around and he was like it's not angry guys this time it's sad guys and I was like yeah yeah that's really yeah. like that's weird
0: I mean <laughs> if you if you're uh taking uh, corn cob TV guy yeah, out of it. Yeah, and, yeah, that's true. And uh, the guy talking about Dan flashes.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it, there's there's else still
0: plenty there. of anger and Santa yeah, Claus.
1: Yeah, we need. Yeah, we need. We need the anger, but there's also more sadness this time around. It's just weird. <laughs> we open in the apartment of Jerry's new girlfriend, which is going to be a phrase that I'm going to have to say until the second half of the episode when we finally learn her name. We didn't get it right until that that moment. No, we Sometimes don't it get it in until. And I miss it.
0: We don't get it until her
1: stepmom is in the car. Yeah. Um, so we open in this apartment, and Jerry's new girlfriend is Lauren Graham. Do, do you recognize her? Yeah. Wasn't she in, like, uh, what was it, Gilmore Girls? Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. One of the Gilmore Girls. Uh, yeah. So uh, very famous. We might have to do a little dive on her just to figure out, because I'm going to say just flat out, this couldn't have been a, um, a cameo, but I do want to know how soon cuz Gilmore girls have been on a long time and i remember watching I, I remember seeing Laura Graham on Conan when he had the show after Leno the late night with Conan O'Brien um, okay and so it must have been you know sometime in the 90s that she popped so uh, i'm i'm very curious about that so we will uh, delve into that uh, next week do a little dive on her but Jerry likes uh, they're they're going to a movie and Jerry says he likes uh, cutting up during the previews like last week he was at a movie and he, after it was over, he yelled out, must miss. <sighs> Which I, yeah, I would have hated. I, and there's nothing I hate more than even people whispering to each other after a preview ends. Especially if it's some dumb shit and they're like, that looks good. You always have to like give your opinion to the person next to you after a preview. That looks good. I want to see that. That doesn't look good. I don't want to see that. And I well, hate, hate over here. Well, <laughs> now I'm embarrassed because I do that all the time. <laughs> I'm sure I do, too, but it's only when the movie looks like... It's only when I disagree that I really hate it. Like, when it looks like, like now you see me three. Like, I want to see that. I just want to tell them how stupid they are. Or, yeah, or if it's like something ma like the the French Dispatch. and like, that doesn't look good. I don't want to see that. Well, you fucking idiot, guess what? It's Wes Anderson, and he's an auteur and a genius. So, like, that, you know? <laughs> uh, it's really only when I disagree. But also, I would hate someone thinking they're funny and yelling in a movie theater... Must miss, you know? Like, do you imagine yeah. how annoying that would be? <laughs> uh, but Jerry's got to check his messages before they go, and he notices that he is number seven on his new girlfriend's speed dial. Did Did you ever have a phone that had this kind of thing? I didn't know. I think my grandma did. (laughs) I mean, it must have been around, but I mean, when you were four, you weren't using the phone. So, you know, but by the time you were using the phone, I I don't know if... Did you you have a landline in in middle school or high school? Probably, right? Yeah, Yeah. yeah, we
0: had a landline. We didn't have a speed dial.
1: No speed dial. I remember a big... Mm. Like, usually it was the big main kitchen phone that had... The the little as George says in the next yeah. scene the little plastic that you had to pop off with a pencil and then you had to like you know yeah. write the name. No we, on. <laughs> we
0: we never had we never had a phone like that uh, and I'm not like exaggerating just for uh, <laughs> showing my age. My grandmother had that phone, um, but we did have in our kitchen as our main landline phone. We did have the giant twenty foot corded phone, so you could walk around the whole kitchen.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> Uh, so in Jerry's apartment, Superman is on the shelf, by the way, and Jerry is, is explaining to George that he's on the speed dial number seven after two dates. And George is impressed. And uh, Jerry talks about how it's, uh, is this where he talks about how kind of it's like a like a popularity chart for people? I don't remember whether it's here or whether it's later, but yeah, and, and George is impressed because of all the work it takes. And it does, like, especially if you wanted to, like, not just replace somebody, but bump people down the list. So yeah. if, you, if she wants to, to put, reprogram, yes, like, every your entire list. Yeah. yeah, from number seven down, unless you were just replacing number seven. You would go, all right, Jerry's number seven. Now the person that's number seven, I have to put it in number eight. Now the person that's number eight, I have to put it in number nine. Like, that's how much work she did, like, yeah. every if, single if day. If she's, like, constantly using it as a ranking
0: system and wasn't just, like, putting <laughs> Jerry in at seven and putting who was in at seven, like,
1: at 13 or, yeah. or off the list or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kramer comes in and he needs to store some chairs for his New Year's Eve party. And it's not the one in a few months. It's the one in 1999. So he wants to store some chairs in Jerry's apartment for two years. Two and Uh, a half. Two and a half years. (laughs) Yeah. Two and a half years. He's like, don't worry. There's going to be some, uh, you know, uh, noisemakers and stuff in front of him. So you won't even see him. (laughs) Uh, the Mets want to take George to lunch, and, jo- and Jerry's like, I-, I loved this exchange. This is another solid burn on George, except you can't really burn George worse than he burns himself, because Jerry goes, oh, why? He's like, well, Jerry, I work for a, a major organization. They probably want to pick my brain. And then Jerry goes, no, really, why? <laughs> <laughs> just like deadpan, like not even trying to burn him, but it's like, and-, and then George goes, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So even he was being pretentious by like, Cherry, they want to pick my brain. Like, no, they don't. Uh, Elaine comes in, and she has had it with the Mayans. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, and I never thought we would get this from Elaine. I always thought Elaine was the wokest of the four. You know, she tries to be a good person. Uh, she's, she's talked about her inclusivity and diversity before, but yeah. now she's had it with a cultural group. And I looked it up, and I yeah. was like, because I, I did have to look up Mayans, and we're not going to do a deep dive on, on <laughs> the... But here's one thing I learned, is that Mayan is the language, and when you're talking about the people, you say Maya people.
0: Interesting. I yeah. didn't know that.
1: I'm pretty sure that's what I gleaned from the okay. uh, from the Wikipedia episode. But The but Wikipedia they, episode? The Wikipedia episode. The Wikipedia um, article. There you go. <laughs> Um, I watch this guy who reads Wikipedia articles on YouTube. It's it's a lot quicker. Than, <laughs> it's a lot quicker than me just you know browsing the uh, issue, um, the issue, the article. Um, <laughs> i called it six different things now, um, but but I learned that there are still people around who do categorize themselves as Maya. I guess and now I feel good okay. saying Mayan. I, I just want to say Mayan again. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I guess it would be similar to calling people
0: English. But, like, because people speak English, but, like, people would be British, you know, or American.
1: And because it mainly refers to a region. So here's another thing that I didn't know, is is that, like, the people who you would call... So the ancient civilization, the ancient Mayan civilization, like, they didn't really have... They weren't connected enough for, like, for people who study that kind of thing to say, you know, like, oh, they had had an interconnected series of governments and, and... so like no, they were like really it was really tribal, like they weren 't really together, but they but they were all of the same uh, uh cultural or ethnic group, so yeah but but so it was really just a region that 's like Guatemala and Peru and like uh, and, and stuff like that, but there are still people who identify as as mayan, which again I'm gonna say, i 'm going to say I forget whether it 's right or wrong it's just so much easier to say because it 's our parlance, you know <laughs> but mm-hmm. but when I, when I heard that, I was like, is that like an ancient civilization that has died out, and like no, not really so. Elaine has had it with an entire ethnic group. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and Kramer says, uh, and she was trying to buy, here's the other thing, she was trying to buy Hirachi sandals, which I don't know, I mean, I guess that's uh, that's Mayan fashion of some sort, but I've never really, I remember the first time I heard that was in a Beach Boys song, Surfing USA. She's wearing Hirachi sandals, too. And I, as a kid, I never knew what they were saying, and I still don't know <laughs> really what they are. But Kramer says, uh, the better store for Hirachis is Cinco de Mayo. Which, it makes me think, makes me wonder if stores that sell, I guess, only Mayan fashion, which was, I like, a huge trend in 97 or something? Oh, my gosh. I have no idea. Because there were two in Manhattan, in this neighborhood of Manhattan, that sold Mayan. And, and they have pun names just like uh, backstores, it seems like. Because one <laughs> is Putamayo, which doesn't mean anything, but Cinco de Mayo is definitely a pun name for a Maya store. And Kramer's friend Marcelino told him about it, and he's 164th Mayan. Uh, and then Kramer brings some balloons in, and this was just – this was hilarious because Jerry's like, Kramer, those balloons aren't going to last two years. He's like, oh, no, those are my everyday balloons. I love that. <sighs> that's uh, that's just like so in character for Kramer. He goes and buys like a giant, giant balloon bunch every single day. Those are my everyday balloons. <laughs> <laughs> Unless he's addicted to sucking helium. That might. I hope mm, that's not the case. Yeah, That could be it. <laughs> Or maybe, does does nitrous float? I don't know if it does or not. I don't think it does. Maybe they were nitrous balloons and he's going to get blasted in a second. He gets blasted on ten nitrous balloons. <laughs> giant nitrous Jesus balloons. Jesus Christ. Pretty sure his head would explode yeah. if he did that. Yeah. Now we know why Kramer has, has. seems like he has a screw loose. He's addicted to nitrous. There's, uh, a,
0: there's a reason people do nitrous out of whippets. Yeah. Not full <laughs> balloons.
1: Over at Monk's. Which, that's where George is having his meeting with the guys from the Mets, which is pretty weird, but maybe it's not. Because I looked it up, and, and Monk's, or, or this is where Tom's Restaurant is. I don't know if Tom's Restaurant and Monk's are supposed to share the same location. But Tom's Restaurant is easily a 30-minute drive with tolls from Shea Stadium, where the Mets were playing in 97. <laughs> it's 45 minutes if you want to avoid the tolls, and it's like an hour-long subway ride. And so these guys... But I'm like, maybe they went all that way because of what this meeting is about. They don't want to be spotted or seen in their in their home, you know, anywhere near Shea Stadium because the Mets guys are offering George more or less head of scouting. Except they can't really offer it to him. They can't make an offer while he's under contract with the Yankees. So George asks if he has to get. He's like, so I have to get fired. And they're like, I did like their bit about like uh, we didn't say that. We're not saying it. If we did say it, we didn't say. It. I I did like that little bit. Even though it's, like, just stereotypical Seinfeld, I thought these two guys pulled it off pretty well.
0: So, do you think, did they film this in New York instead of L.A.? No. Okay.
1: Why? Because you said this was at Tom's Restaurant. Oh, well, no, I I just went by, like, I don't know what Monk's actual address is, you know? Okay. But Tom's Restaurant is the exterior from Monk's, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's definitely the L.A. lot, and but the exterior shot, I was like, well, how far is... I mean, it seems weird, A, to have a business lunch at a coffee shop where, what's mm-hmm. that going to be like, 15 bucks for the three of you? You know, it's like, if if two Major League Baseball organizations are talking, like, go to Tavern on the Green or something, you know, for lunch. But <laughs> I'm like, they must have wanted to meet in secret really far away from Shea Stadium. Um, but I was just wondering, like, in, in the universe of the show, how far... The Mets oh, offices gotcha, are gotcha. from okay. monks, you know, and so I just had to use Shea Stadium, which isn't around anymore, but the the, the Mets still play on the same site um, at City Field, and then also Tom's restaurant. But like, but like I just don't know if Tom's restaurant has the same address as in Universe Monks. But for this for our for this purpose, we'll just say it does. And so up in Jerry's girlfriend's apartment, uh, Jerry is, is late picking her up, and not only that, but he took her to a bad restaurant the night before and he's going to make it up to her tonight, just has to check his messages. And here's one thing that hit me kind of. He's like, yeah, let me check my messages. Maybe a nicer girl called is what Jerry <sighs> says. As she's walking off, I'm like, fuck you, Jerry. Jesus Christ. Man. Uh,
0: another full scene where I was waiting for any, literally any joke. <laughs>
1: Well, the joke was maybe a nicer girl called. The joke was Jerry's misogyny. I,
0: I guess. <laughs> Holy fuck. But, like, he walks in and, l- like, yeah, the, the remark she has about the restaurant is uh, someplace nice this time. Yeah, was like, yeah. I'm sorry. I heard good things about Mongolian barbecue, which which got a laugh from the audience. I'm like, <laughs> what is funny about that? Is it, is it funny because he said... Place and a food,
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't notice that. <laughs> either. Is that the
0: joke? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I did not notice that either. But he pushes number seven, and Jane answers, and he notices that he has been bumped to number nine. Uh, over in Putumayo, Elaine pulls a how do you like them apples on the store clerk, banging on the window. And showing that she went somewhere else uh, and bought Hirachi sandals at Cinco de Mayo. And as Elaine says, sales commission by bio. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was weird, too. Uh, Up in Jerry's apartment, George comes in very excited. He's singing uh, the Meet the Mets song. And he, (laughs) you know, Jerry asked him how the meeting was. He's like, there was no meeting. But if there was a meeting, (laughs) uh, he finds out that he, you know, he could be head of scouting for the Mets, uh, but he and so he has to get fired from the Yankees. But he really wants to leave his mark. Now that he knows he could like he's just walking into an even better job, uh, and it doesn't matter. He wants to leave people saying, "Wow, now that guy got canned." Yeah. <laughs> and Kramer comes in, and he's still planning. Uh, he he's still planning his party. He wonders if we'll still be using napkins. You think we'll still be using napkins in the year two thousand, or is that mouth vacuum a thing? <laughs> and <sighs> Kramer and uh, I mean George and Jerry just stare at him, and then oh, so anyway, George. Uh...
0: <laughs> I, I I do like how they just give him no attention. Yes,
1: yeah. and and it's one of those things that like you could like do I care about like where he heard about the mouth vacuum? Because I you know. <laughs> So, do we want to get into it? No, I don't care. It's like you think for a nah. second, like, do I want to enter Kramer's world? Nah, uh, let's not. Uh, so Jerry, oh, here's where Jerry talks about how the speed dial is the relationship barometer. And we, I always like to point out when we get Seinfeld, famous Seinfeld GIFs, this is where we get a famous Seinfeld shit post template, where he says it's like a relationship barometer. And George says, what does a barometer do anyway? And then Kramer goes, it's pronounced thermometer. <laughs> <sighs> Have you ever seen have you ever seen those where I don't know if I have, yeah, actually. It's it's just like, you know, somebody says one thing and then they, they put a text under Kramer that he's saying it's pronounced this, you know, totally different this uh, totally different okay. object. Yeah. But Kramer in the is also asked in the year two thousand, he's like, well, We won't even need speed dial in the year two thousand. You just think and all of a sudden you'll be talking to somebody and he's like, Whoa, 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 hey Newman. Newman, hey, Newman. And I love this little bit of like physical improv where he starts quote-unquote talking to newman and jerry does this like i'm not here bit and then kramer yes and him and goes oh what's that you want to talk to jerry like i thought that was really <laughs> funny just like like that's like what real friends would do yeah yeah and, and uh and so like that's something seinfeld does you know pretty well you know we talked about like smirking when your friend says something funny like that's something real friends would do like this this bit uh was pretty funny over in jerry's girlfriend's apartment uh, he took her to dinner and a play and a handsome cab ride. He got her a gift certificate to Barnes and Noble, and he got her flowers. And then he goes over to the phone and checks, and he's number one. But like, And then is, is this here – is this a famous quote
0: from Jerry Seinfeld? Because I feel like I've heard this out of context of the episode. Um,
1: it is – it's a famous quote, but I think it's like a famous quote from history.
0: Okay. Okay. But he
1: puts his own name into it. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm going to write it down though. Um, He goes, Seinfeld, you magnificent bastard. But I don't, I I think it's like a, you know, some military guy or or something like that. Okay. But but we'll look it up for for next week because it, you know, it's, it's one of those that, that that Seinfeld fans do know from Seinfeld. Um, So yes. But like, how is he already number one? Didn't all of this date like just happen this day? I I was thinking it took place over
0: the last few because uh, he's bringing flowers over yeah and she's remarking that he already did these yeah. things you know
1: so maybe so like I, their Friday I, I wouldn't night think date that was like yeah maybe play. this is like Saturday yeah and maybe he's bringing flowers for their Saturday night date yeah yeah that seems because I was like how is he already number one he ju- they they just got back and she wasn't over at the phone
0: yeah and we know. From a future scene, it still has not been a full week that she has known Jerry.
1: Yeah. Uh, Over at Yankee Stadium, George comes into a meeting. He's like, hey, look what I found in the display cabinet. And he's wearing (laughs) Babe Ruth's uniform and then eating strawberries and like wiping his hand and like getting like strawberry juice all over Babe Ruth's uniform. And all anybody can, all Wilhelm can do or anybody can do is just stare in shock at him. What
0: did he say? He's like, oh, they're real juicy this season.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Up in Jerry's apartment, Elaine uh, comes in and she is wearing... I mean, this is cultural appropriation. (laughs) Yeah, a bit. For a culture that she has already admitted not liking. um, Yeah. uh, Elaine bought a ton of stuff at Cinco de Mayo to show Putamayo how much business they've lost. And this also, uh, you know, hit kind of a sour note where she's like, I've been dancing and strutting in front of their shopfront for 2 days and Jerry goes that's probably that's why we've gotten so much rain <laughs> uh, So putting on another cultures <laughs> uh you know outfit and then dancing equals rain dance to Jerry <laughs> Jesus Christ
0: Uh oh you skipped over Kramer's remark before Elaine even comes in uh, cuz he's like uh will people be able to breathe underwater in the year 2000 and Jerry goes some of us and Kramer like crumples up like whatever idea he had and says, nah, I don't want to exclude anybody.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so Kramer's being inclusive, at least. But Newman, we find out, sent Elaine an invite to his Millennium Party celebrate the <laughs> Uh And so now we've got two competing Millennium parties and Newman's already got the jump on Kramer, which he's dismayed at. Uh, out on the street, this is, I was able to find out, The 300 block of Columbus Avenue, Mm, thanks to the fact that Liana is still there. There's like three visible shop fronts, and one of them is still there. Liana, it's like a woman's clothing store or something like that. Um, Wow. Prescription Plus, or RX Plus, as the sign said, is now M Salon. Uh, Sacco is now Couture Kids, which I'm sure is like super expensive (laughs) stuff that your kid's going to grow out of. But you live in Manhattan, so who cares? Um, Yeah. uh, And Aphrodite Cleaners is now Di Capo Espresso Bar. But that block looks pretty much the same. Uh, but Liana, is, I was amazed to find, is still there. Uh, and Jerry is waiting for, as we find out now, Valerie. But it's not Valerie who gets in his car. It's Valerie's stepmom. And she finds out that she lost her number one spot to Jerry after 13 years of trying to make it to number one. And she's upset about that. Uh, over at Yankee Stadium, in Steinbrenner's office, uh, George is expecting to get fired, but instead, Steinbrenner says, this is exactly what this organization needs. If we're going to look to the future, we have to tear down the past. And he's yeah, like... E-
0: even says, Babe Ruth was nothing more than a fat old man with little girl legs.
1: Yeah, and I love that he's like, you know what, I found out this recently, too. I love that he finds this out recently. He's not even really a sultan. <laughs> Which, of course, is a, <laughs> a, a reference to... I think it was the Sultan of Swat. Is that what they call yep. him? Yeah. Yep. The Sultan of Swat. Uh, and, and then <laughs> Steinbrenner gets up and he's like, look at this. I'm wearing Lou Gehrig's pants. <sighs> but then he's God. like, wait a minute. You don't think that nerve disease he had is contagious, do you? Better take him off. Big Stein can't be flopping and twitching.
0: Yeah. Another thing that, like... And call me a fucking snowflake <laughs> if you want. Another thing I didn't like about this episode, because... Not only it's not what happens with ALS, yeah. it's almost the exact opposite of what happens with ALS. It just didn't hit right, I don't think.
1: I I would tend to agree, and, and I know a lot of woke <laughs> culture is just assuming what other people would be offended at, but if I had Lou Gehrig's disease, I would be offended at that. Like, oh, Flopping you know, hopping
0: and twitching around,
1: yeah, and holy like, shit, and like nineteen eighties h i v mentality, where nobody knew how you like do you think Lou Gehrig's disease is contagious? can you get it from wearing someone's pants that has Lou Gehrig's disease? I'm like, oh jeez,
0: yeah <laughs> you you're right, this is the same mentality as like well can
1: can I get AIDS from hugging a man exactly, exactly, yeah, it's like that that level of uh uh, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I would like to think we left that kind of mentality behind in the 80s. But, but Ted, I don't want you to catch my vaccine shedding. <laughs> <laughs> so I won't hug you so that you don't get my vaccine shedded onto you. <laughs> <sighs> Motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. So uh, some people haven't evolved. <laughs> some people haven't evolved past that level of thinking. So <laughs> over at Valerie's. Uh, by, by the way, I do, I do have to point out uh, you know how much I do love it when he calls himself Big Stein. I, I do like that.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: that is good. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. We're getting some more good Larry David uh, Steinbrenner after he you know came back for the last episode, too. Over at Valerie's, Jerry brings up the speed dial and how he's, you know, look, so now he's trying to smooth things over between Valerie and her stepmom. And she picks up immediately that the stepmom, and, and, and it's only because it happened before. Oh, no. Did she do this? I can't believe she did this again. My stepmom got to you. Um, and she's like, well, you know what? I'm going to take her off the speed dial completely, uh, which Jerry is, like, not um, excited about, you know, the, the reaction that's going to have from the step mm-hmm. uh, up in Newman's apartment. Kramer, just, he's like, hey, I just got my invitation to your millennium party. And Newman's like, you just got it. Damn, the mail is slow. <laughs> <laughs> and I always love Newman's burns on the post office because uh, it's just funny. Uh, Newman started planning his party in 1978. He booked the revolving restaurant over Times Square and he booked Christopher Cross. Did he did he book both of those in
0: 1978? Because surely it wouldn't be the same restaurant 22 or uh, excuse me. This is 97. It wouldn't be the same restaurant 19 years later and still hoping that it's the same restaurant in the millennium. Right. Like same owners and everything.
1: I, I would I would tend to agree with you, but we've certainly you know talked about some businesses that have lasted as long. Yeah, just in in this podcast, you know about like Liana, for instance, being around in ninety seven, true, and twenty twenty one. But I do, I wonder. I mean, I'll put down the revolving restaurant over Times Square. The more amazing point to me is being able to book Chris having the money to book Christopher Cross in nineteen seventy eight. Like that was still the <laughs> peak of his career. I would say. Um. <laughs> I don't know how. I mean, there's no way to find out how much he was he was booking. But you know what? I'm going to put down Christopher Cross in 1978 because I mean, if he was still playing, you know, let's say Madison Square Garden or something like that in 1979 or 1980 or whatever, like booking him in 78 to do a private gig. Yeah. So I'm going to say be astronomical You're right? Yeah. Christopher Cross 1978. Where was where was Christopher Cross uh, at that point in his career? Because I'm pretty sure he was still like. He hadn't even had like he'd had hits, but maybe not even his biggest hits. Uh, so it's it's pretty shocking. But Kramer has two hundred chairs, and he's already how does he already have a lot of ice?
0: <laughs> yeah, what does he think is gonna happen with the ice? Is it just gonna stay frozen?
1: <laughs> yeah. Maybe he just booked like an ice delivery or something, and they're not like keeping it for him. But it, it, he did make it sound like he has a bunch of uh, a bunch of two hundred chairs and ice. And so, where is Kramer's party? Because I was under the impression it was going to be at his apartment. But he's got two hundred chairs. I was too. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's on. Maybe it's on the roof or something. We we never really get an answer. I, I, who fucking knows? Yeah. But so Newman's Newman needs some ice. He's like, you he never have enough ice, and he's like, okay, so. Kramer, you can co-host the party with me, but you can't invite Jerry. The The new millennium is going to be Jerry-free for Newman. And so a moral conundrum for Kramer now. In a, a taxi cab that is passing Ermat Pharmacy, which I don't know where this is, because there was one at 2 Park Avenue that's now closed, but the whole building must have been raised or something because it looks totally different. And hmm. and, it, and so I don't know, like... They did renovations to this this building at Two Park Avenue in 2005, and I'm like, did they put on a whole new facade? So I think this Ermat Pharmacy is not the one that was at Two Park Avenue. I think it's a location that has been lost to time because it there's no way that it, it's, it, it could be the same as the one at, at Two Park Avenue. So I'm sorry I couldn't find out which one it, it actually is. Uh, I'm, I'm more mad at myself than anyone else I know. Uh, <laughs> and George is failing at failing. He can't get fired, so Jerry has to give him... Kind of an anti pep talk, uh, talking about how you know. You, come on, you do everything wrong. I have no confidence in you. <laughs> and then he ends up by saying, "You suck." And George is like, "I know." <laughs> let me let me jump in here for okay. a second, and
0: I'm not trying to uh, damper yours uh, or anyone else's uh, enjoyment of this episode. Um, this was the first genuine laugh. I had watching this episode. Wow. Yeah. I I don't know if I was like just in a grumpy <laughs> mood. I didn't feel like I was in a grumpy mood whenever I started watching it. Mm-hmm. I did. I had just watched Conor McGregor break his leg. Oh. So maybe that had something on my psyche. <laughs> uh, but like we're what 15 minutes into a 22 minute episode He's and right. I get my first laugh in a <laughs> fucking throwaway scene in a taxi cab but like george saying i can't do anything wrong that that got me that got me
1: yeah yeah that is that is funny i am certain that i already had laughed a ton in this episode although i mean it's it's not one of my favorites but you know we'll get we'll get to our full review at the end but uh that that's pretty surprising because i thought there'd been some you know some uh, already some chuckles from me in cinco de mayo Elaine is hassling the cashier about uh, trying to put Putamayo out of business when the clerk from Putamayo comes out and informs Elaine that she actually owns both stores. And I had to rewind this and put captions on to figure out that she says her name is Gladys Mayo. Yeah. (laughs) So her last name is Mayo. It has nothing to do with Mayan people at all.
0: Not only that, but did you see the visual gag as they zoom out once her name is revealed? The poster, the poster that says Putamayo presents" while she's in Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. So not so not only does the same person own both stores, they're run as like (laughs) sister stores, promoting each other's events and sales. I would imagine. No,
1: they're not. They're not designed to look like competitors. Like they are sister stores. Uh, and so, yeah, Elaine is, Elaine is now dismayed at that. Uh, over at Valerie's stepmom's house, she has invited Jerry over. Well, under the <laughs> pretense that Valerie's going to be there too, but Jerry finds out that Valerie's not coming as the stepmom starts seducing him. <laughs> I think I've seen this one before. <laughs> yeah, this looked very familiar. Young stand-up comic gets seduced by step milf. Yeah, and she's like, why don't I put you on my speed dial? at number three, and uh, Jerry uh, realizes what the situation he's in, and he runs off. But yeah, this, is, this, is, this was pretty funny, <laughs> just in, just in uh, today's context. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> one thing, how did she know Jerry's number? Because she starts, like, saying it
1: yeah. to program
0: it into number three. How does she know what his phone number is? Good question. I, I'm guessing Valerie wouldn't have given it to her, because they're feuding right now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, and how did he call? I mean, she must have called him separately to invite him over on his own.
0: Yeah, yeah, and Valerie. clearly, like she, she is on the right track after like four numbers because Jerry like storms out.
1: Yeah, could it have been? Could there have been some way to get it from Valley think- Speed Dial?
0: Maybe. Uh, also, I don't think Jerry Seinfeld would be listed in the fucking New
1: York City phone book. Right. Right. At this point, probably not. Yeah, I don't know. That that's a mystery. The only thing I can think is, and then I don't notice if I didn't notice if this is the case, but some of those big phones had a an an LED screen. Um, or what am I saying? Mm. LCD. I think I mean yeah. LCD. Yeah. An LCD yeah. Screen yeah. I know you mean like, that that would display the number that you were dialing or that you had just pushed on speed dial. So. If it does have that display, she could have been over at Valerie's, pushed the speed dial button, and then the number would have come up on that screen. But other than that, I have no idea. Over in Kramer's apartment, he is losing sleep over this decision, and he awakes screaming,
0: (laughs) Not only that, but he has a picture of him and Jerry from a party framed at his
1: bedside that he then hugs. It looks like a New Year's Eve party. Was it a New Year's Eve party? Because they have like streamers and <laughs> and uh, noisemakers and stuff. Yeah, I, I, it looks like a New Year's Eve party. <laughs> on yeah, on his bedside table, him and Jerry, which is just like the cutest thing. Like I love, you know, every so often we get a glimpse of Kramer Kramer's true love for Jerry. Like for instance, when he he like had his head shot up, uh, he like yeah. hung up Jerry's headshot. Like yeah,
0: this is this is a true <laughs> true romance. Yeah, uh,
1: over in Jerry's apartment, he's watching the Yankees game and george is streaking on the field except he's not really streaking he's wearing a flesh-colored body stocking as the announcer says and the announcer also says and no one seems upset everyone yeah, loves him <laughs> i love that like it, the same joke is like what's odd is no one seems to
0: be getting upset everyone loves him thank you thank you streaking man or something yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Uh, And Kramer comes in and he's like, listen, Jerry, I can't invite you to my New Year's uh, Eve party, my Millennium party. And Jerry's like, all right. I I loved how nonchalant he and Elaine, because he's like, because Kramer's like, he's like, you know, Newman said that he's like, no problem. And then Elaine comes in and Kramer's like, Elaine, you can't go to Newman's New Year's Eve party. He's like, okay. (laughs) This this is a very uh, Pete Davidson
0: playing Chad. Yeah, yeah. I thought Response. I thought so too. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Oh, word? (laughs) whoa cool (laughs) yeah (laughs) 69 but kramer's trying to like i think i think that's like all he said in that character
1: yeah yeah but kramer is like making such a huge deal out of it in his own he's like you know, they're, they're his, Kramer's responses don't match their ease about the whole thing. Like, oh, okay. He's like, no, I, I know it's tearing me apart. Like, all right. <laughs> uh, and Elaine asks for, if, if Kramer still has a pricing gun because she's going to put Putamayo out of business and make sure there's nothing over 99 cents. Which I'm like, you realize that wouldn't work. Like, somebody would bring up a shirt that's obviously $50 and the clerk would go, oh, 99 cents? Huh, that's wrong. Um, I don't know what happened. You know, I mean. How does she think this would work? She's not making UPC symbols for a grocery store scanner.
0: Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's not like the clerk is just going to say, well, it says 99 cents. Yeah. That means I got to give it to you for 99 cents. Yeah. This is the same, this is the other side of the boomer joke of,
1: well, there's no <laughs> price on it. I guess that means it's free. Yes, it's free. Yeah. I mean, if Elaine really wanted to put them out of business, rip all the price tags off. Why even give them a dollar? Yeah, it's like, oh, oh, this doesn't have a price tag. Guess it's free. <laughs> no. Oh, why? Is we there...
0: can't make any money. We have to give all of our stuff away for free now. Oh, I
1: wish that law wasn't on the books. Ah, oh. <laughs> damn that law! If something doesn't have a price, yeah. I, I, so this this plan was like really stupid. But also, I wonder because now, uh, did you did it look like Julia Louis Dreyfus was pregnant in this? Oh, scene? I have no idea. It's, in this scene specifically, but then I'm like, have we seen her? The other scene I remember is when she's wearing all that bulky clothing that she bought. And I'm like, wait a second. I might have to... Huh. I'm going to look up if she was pregnant and they were like just trying to hide it. And they're like, oh, man, we're almost done with this season. Let's just like find a way. Because I know they've had to do that before. In fact, they wrote her out of the episodes completely um, yeah. while she was pregnant. So I'm just wondering if this time they were like, oh, man, we've got like two more episodes of film. She's not really showing that much. We can like, you know put her behind a counter or something and and uh and i think we can make this work it, it just kind of but right here i thought i saw a little bump showing but we'll have to see um hopefully hmm. i'm not being too insulting to the great Julie louis dreyfus so valerie calls about jerry being on her stepmom speed dial and the stepmom calls at the exact same time on the other line and so jerry's kind of playing a literal game of telephone between them and she says that she will she won't take jerry off of her speed dial but she'll hide jerry on the on an emergency line So that it looks like Jerry's not on hers anymore. And then that's the only uh, way that Valerie will put her stepmom back on her speed dial. Uh, So that seems settled. George calls, very upset that he can't get fired and he's surrounded by bodysuit man bros hey bodysuit man and bodysuit man five. Yeah. yeah hey guys it's bodysuit man
0: <laughs> and the- that that first guy just lingers around yeah. him i don't know if you saw like
1: i don't know if he has a hot dog or a beer but he's like yeah bodysuit man yeah and he calls a bunch of <laughs> other bros hey he calls a bunch of a bunch of other bros over hey body, it's bodysuit man and they all come over yeah. whoa
0: whoa bodysuit man body whoa suit man. <laughs>
1: So over at Putumayo, uh, Kramer walks in in character, H.E. Pennypacker, uh, uh, an industrialist who he says wants to know the culture before buying a silver mine in Peru, and he starts chowing down on this chi- this chips and salsa that's on the counter. Which, by the way, free chips and salsa at a store and during a pandemic looked weird to me. You know, I know. Yeah, really. really. There, I'm like, <laughs> oh man, no more free food at
0: <laughs> World Clothing not, Stores. Not only that, but like. The tortilla chips he puts into his mouth as he's walking to the dressing room chokes and spits out over everything. Yeah,
1: even while he's talking, he's spraying chips everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I thought it was weird that he, he like, eats a chip or he puts a chip in his mouth and he goes, ooh, Machu Picchu. I guess it was just, yeah. like, Machu Picchu is a, a Mayan uh, site, you know, it's like a Mayan historical site, at least I'm pretty sure. I, I didn't know if he was calling the chip that or if it was just like a random Kramer exclamation. Yeah, when he coughs and bits of chips go everywhere, it was pretty disgusting. But he just grabs a giant stack of clothes and heads into the dressing room. And the the owner goes, you know, most of those are women's. And he's like, it's not a problem. Um, (laughs) And then we hear repricing gun clicking sound. But then he drops and breaks the gun and like steps on it. So that's over.
0: Which the door or, or the curtain for the changing room doesn't go down to the floor. Not the enough. clerk could definitely see this, yeah, yeah. you know?
1: She could definitely see and hear what everything that's going on back there.
0: <laughs> it it's not like the changing room was in the back of the store away
1: from everything. Yeah. It's a very small store too. <laughs> it's very small. <laughs> Over at Yankee Stadium, George is now in his car doing donuts, towing the World Series trophy by a rope and shouting into a bullhorn, calling everybody in the front office morons and uh, stuff like that. Your triumphs mean nothing? That was one of my favorite bits. <laughs> I, I did like the line, I fear no reprisal, extension
0: 5170.
1: Yeah, yells out. us, I am George Costanza, f- extension 5170. <laughs> but I liked your triumphs mean nothing. I like that. That's That was kind of cutting. So back at Putumayo, Elaine comes in to check on Kramer with what's taking so long, and he broke the pricing gun, so he's told her he's moved on to plan B, and that's to take all of the silica gel packets out of the clothing. He's like, with the moisture, these clothes won't last five years. <laughs> he thinks it's Which, diabolical. <laughs> yeah. Which, something I didn't know,
0: is silica gel a brand name?
1: I, I don't think so. I thought it was just a... Uh, I thought yeah. silica was well, the element.
0: I thought it was too, but he calls them desiccants. He doesn't yeah. call them silica gel. I think silica might be like band-aid or
1: frisbee. Interesting. I pass a silica mine or I pass some sort of production facility when I go home to Virginia and I'm like, "Hey, you guys make all the packets." We'll we'll look up uh <laughs> we'll look up silica gel, see if it's a brand name or or what. But yeah, I guess I guess I just always thought it was What's inside that little packet is silica, but I don't know what that is. (laughs) I just took it for granted, (laughs) but they do. And they're the ones making them. So he thinks this plan is diabolical, but I love Elaine has kind of a a twist on a Seinfeld line that I love. You screwed me again, Penny Packer. Meanwhile, Val and her stepmom are in the store too. And Kramer on his way back up to uh, drop off the clothing drops a gel packet into the salsa, which Valerie's stepmom then eats. Does she eat the packets? Well, she, I'm ge- eats, I'm ge- she ge- eats the salsa, which had the packet okay. in it, yeah.
0: Okay, but we saw how much the packet was expanding, and this was not a very large bowl. How does she not see that there is this yeah. large white uh, packet in this red salsa? Yeah. She's looking at the bowl as she's dipping her chip into the salsa, so it's not like a blind dip.
1: Yeah, and they try—it's not a very— deep bowl either and so it's not they they, they try to show the silica gel like <laughs> bubbling and fizzing and like sort of sinking in but it it, it doesn't really i mean you it can doesn't. still see it in no. that shot yeah <laughs> it doesn't disappear yeah um, over at yankee stadium uh george's in steinbrenner's office and, and steinbrenner I, I love these like i can't believe you bodysuit man could perpetrate such disloyalty <laughs> so even steinbrenner loves bodysuit man um, and I also love this because this is one thing that, that you know, Steinbrenner was famous for, loving to fire people. Because remember when he's, he's talking about all the managers he, fi- he fired, um, mm-hmm. and he's like, I hate to say it, but, oh, who am I kidding? I love it. And right, he's, he's about to say, you're fired. Wilhelm runs in and takes the blame. So Steinbrenner fires Wilhelm. And uh, I love that he also says, I owe you an apology, bodysuit man. <laughs> <laughs> Again, calling George bodysuit man. Uh, and so when Steinbrenner leaves to go scalp some tickets for the... Is it not going to the game tonight? I'm going to go scalp some tickets. Owner's box. That should be worth about 40 bucks. <laughs> I love that. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I love the, the... It's like very Scrooge McDuck trope that like, even though he's one of the world's richest men, any amount of money, he's not going to turn down. You know, it's like... Mm-hmm. Like, even Scrooge McDuck would, like, steal a penny from a kid because it's, like, that much more money. And I love that George Steinbrenner is portrayed the same way. Scalping his owner's box tickets for 40 bucks. So Wilhelm, when Steinbrenner leaves, we find out Wilhelm wanted to get fired because he's the new Mets head of scouting. The very job that George was trying to get fired for. Over in Jerry's apartment, uh, Newman knocks on the door. We get a Hello, Newman, which it even seems like it's been a, such a long time since we've had one of those. and. yeah. As as much as it's remembered as a great Seinfeld trope, even the audience is like, uh, "Yay, that he did the hello Newman, <laughs> hello he did the Jerry. thing." He <laughs> yeah, did not get like the standing ovation that it used to get. <laughs> um, well, he got Elaine's cancellation in the mail, and you know he's trying to act like it's not a big deal. But I loved Kramer's line here. Well, yeah, but uh, when it's midnight and she's looking for someone, what does he say? Warm and cuddly to kiss. Looks like you'll be caught between the moon and New York City, which did you recognize that? No, I I didn't. Was this a reference? It's a Christopher Cross song. Oh, okay. (laughs) So in order for Elaine to be at the party, he relents to allowing Jerry. And then this was confusing to me. Jerry tells Newman, he's like, oh, so I'm guessing that you made the reservation for the millennium New Year's. And Newman's like, of course. He's like, well, you know, because there's no year zero, the millennium starts actually in 2001 meaning your party will be one year late and therefore quite lame. And uh, Newman lets out an exasperated, what the hell is he talking about? I honestly had no idea. I was hoping you would get
0: it. I'm like, did did Newman plan his party for December 31st, 2000?
1: (laughs) I'm thinking that this is all predicated on Newman calling in 1978 and saying, yes, I'd like to book you know, the restaurant for the millennium New Year's. And, like, every... Like, I remember in 99, um, you would have been, like, what, six? Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah, about... Yeah, six and a half, something like that. Um, or what? maybe just... By, or, by
0: anyway. New Year's, I would have been seven. Yeah,
1: there you go. So you were seven. But I remember, like, I was in high... School, I was a senior, and so I remember, like, it was very pedantic. But everyone was excited for the changeover from 99 to 2000. That's what normal people thought was the millennium like we're starting the millennium but there were these pedantic people you know it's kind of like the way i when everyone meant when when anyone calls the monster frankenstein and i like <laughs> to go well you know frankenstein was the name of the doctor the monster doesn't really have a name it's just frankenstein's monster so you know the 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 monster's not named frankenstein so that's very pedantic and annoying and i know that but in the same way people liked to say, well, you know, there was no year zero, so the millennium doesn't actually start until 2001. People loved telling you when you said, oh, man, are you excited for the millennium? Like, well, you know, it's not 99 to 2000. it's either way. But So that's what Jerry is doing here, but it's all predicated on Newman calling this restaurant and the restaurant being as pedantic as Jerry and going, oh, when does the millennium start? Okay, it's the 2000 to 2001 New Year's Eve. And it's all assuming that is happening when I imagine that Newman's party is probably booked for December 31st, 1999. And (sighs) therefore Jerry is quite lame. Always go out on a strong joke. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah. Because that is the end of the episode, except we do get one last little epilogue, and that's at Valerie's stepmom's place. Her mom is feeling very sick, because as we know, she's ingested silica gel. And Valerie hits the speed dial for poison control on her stepmom's speed dial, and Jerry answers... And he's psyched that he's at Poison Control, which is even higher than number one. Uh, and Valerie hangs up on him. And we do get an audio stinger, uh, which we haven't had in a while. But it does seem to be something here in the second half of season eight. And that's Newman's exasperated hiss. I don't know what you'd call it from when Jerry told him that his party is going to be one year late. Oh, I was wondering what that was. I'm like, yeah, I, I couldn't even place it. It's that weird little – if you didn't – if you weren't able to place it, you might think it's like Valerie's stepmom dying or something. It does kind of sound like (laughs) – it does kind of sound like a death rattle from ingesting silica. Yeah. So that's that's the end of the episode. All right. Well, what do we got for homework this week? Um, We will do a a little dive on Lauren Graham, find out where she was in uh, her career in uh, 97. We will talk about Magnificent Bastard, where that quote comes from. The revolving restaurant over Times Square um, in, I'm going to say, in 78 and 97. Uh, And what was Christopher Cross's career like in 1978? Was Julia Louis-Dreyfus pregnant and a little dive on silica gel? Is that a brand name or is it uh, not, I guess? All right. Um,
0: What do you like for cover art this week?
1: Oh man, tough one. I mean, I, I kind of like, as odd as it is, maybe the picture of Jerry and Kramer at the New Year's Eve, you know, the from the bedside uh, picture. <laughs> like so, a picture that's... of a picture. <laughs>
0: yeah, that that's good. I I don't mind that. Um, I was thinking, like in the scene where Jerry's on the phone with both Valerie and her stepmom, yeah. is there ever a bit where all three of them are on screen?
1: I want to say Or does no, it just keep going know. back
0: and forth between like? Jerry and Valerie, Jerry and the stepmom, Jerry and Valerie, Jerry I, I and the stepmom.
1: I think it keeps going back and forth because they pull the bit where he, he thinks he's switched over and tell and relays a message to the stepmom, but it's still Valerie. Yeah. And so I think it just goes back and forth, but I, but I don't know. Okay. Um, George well, if, in the bodysuit is a funny image, too, from that scene. Yeah,
0: that, that is good. <laughs> um, I also liked uh, just George doing donuts in the parking lot, uh, dragging oh, yeah. the World Series trophy. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's funny too with the bullhorn. <laughs> A lot of good stuff. Uh, all right. So, we'll we'll make
0: one of those work. Uh we'll we'll have to see what it ends up being. Uh let's see what we can do about this week's description. Okay. So, we had uh I never read this at the top of the episode. I, I just thought realized there that there was something
1: I missed. <laughs> That's why I was like, is it my turn now? And I was like, I don't even remember what it is. But that's not out of Holy ordinary. Holy shit. Wow. Yeah.
0: Oh, my God. We talked okay. so much about
1: Lego cast that we didn't. Uh, yeah. Got right back into the episode.
0: Phew. Okay. All right. Well, if you're looking in TV Guide this week, um, you are going to see Newman Nix's Kramer's Millennium Party Plans, semicolon, Jerry obsesses about his position on his girlfriend's speed dial.
1: I don't like nixes. I mean, I'm fine with the New Year's Eve party.
0: Um... Yeah, I don't like how it gives away the reveal of Newman planning his own party right away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kramer Kramer plans a millennium party.
1: What about Kramer's millennium party plans? I mean, I know this makes it longer or or go awry or something like that. Hmm. Kramer's what? What if what if we just take out millennium because that's already in the title? Kramer's party planning goes awry. How about that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I and like that. Then, Jerry obsesses. I like. I like the second one. It's a little wordy. I don't know how I'd shorten. Is it Jerry obsesses over his placement on his girlfriend's speed dial? Close. Yeah. Obsesses about his position on his girlfriend's speed dial. I don't. I don't
0: mind that at all. We can no. keep that word for word.
1: Yeah, that's fine.
0: Okay. Yeah. And, and Kramer's he, party planning goes awry, and Jerry obsesses about his position on his girlfriend's speed dial.
1: And Elaine badmouths an entire ethnic group.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll shoehorn that in.
1: <laughs> no, we don't have to. We don't have to. <laughs> but there, the, the other two storylines are. I mean, George tries to get fired. Isn't yeah wordy, but I guess we don't really need it. But it is, and, and it and it's. I guess the Millennium and the Speed dial are the two big ones. Yeah. So we'll leave it like that.
0: All right. Well, uh, next week we've got season eight, episode twenty one, The Muffin Tops. Original air date eight, May eighth, nineteen ninety seven. And if you're looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see. Elaine and a former boss join forces in a muffin top business. Semicolon. George pretends to be a tourist in order to get a date.
1: Huh. I, I remember. I, I think. Um. I think this might be a pretty good episode, or at least I remember it. Um. You know, it, it's got a lot of Seinfeld's greatest hits in it. I think. So. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I I should I should have asked you this so we could go into it before I did the uh, description for next week. But what did you think?
1: of the Millennium overall. You know, I... Just like I think with... This happened with you in a recent episode. I think you talked me out of... I, I wasn't going to star it, but I think you talked me out of liking it as much as I as I did when I was watching wow. it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, be, because I didn't know... I, I, I remember getting a lot of chuckles out of it. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I was going to call it like a good baseline episode. like I wasn't going to star it or anything like that, but I, I do feel like it was a good baseline episode but
0: okay but now okay. i'm wondering
1: if it's as good as i i thought it was because you made it you raised a lot of good points uh in in you know during the course of the episode
0: yeah i um it, halfway through it i knew i wasn't gonna give it a star but like especially with the ending joke mm-hmm. i think this may be my least favorite episode of the season
1: wow yeah, and I'm not – I mean, I kind of alluded to this at the end of last week's episode where I'm like, already we're talking about the millennium and speed dial, two things that are 20 years out of date. Oh, my
0: God. I know. If not more,
1: you know? <laughs> <laughs> so subtract 20 years from Ted's age and, like, that's where you were, you know, at, at, at the now, moment. Now
0: I, now I understand, like – uh, current showrunners in LA not wanting to do a COVID angle or like <laughs> yeah, yeah. showing people in masks or something. Right. It's because it'll age like this.
1: I think you're. Hopefully, right. yeah, I hope hopefully, you're right. Yeah, if as long as my vaccine sheds over everybody enough to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So you're you're probably right, and and uh, yeah. So I'm not surprised that having lived through you know being being around in '99 and and knowing the millennium was coming up and also having a phone with speed dial and all of that. Um, You know, I I was, I was maybe more uh, connected to this episode. So I'm, Mm -hmm. um, I'm not surprised that a lot of this humor was, was lost on you and and you weren't even considering it jokes. You're like, was there a joke there? Like, well, there was in 97. There was the last time I checked. (laughs) 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 I think there's a joke there. Uh, Yeah. So I, I think this is a good example of, you know, maybe even kind of the mission statement of, of the podcast is like, you know you watching this going just shrugging your shoulders um yeah (laughs) so all right is that it yeah i think that's it all right for no hugging no learning i'm tim murphy
0: i'm ted hall well be good